morning's Old Testament scripture comes from Malachi chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. See, I am sending my messenger to prepare the way before me. And the Lord, whom you seek, will suddenly come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant in whom you delight. Indeed, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. But who can endure the day of his coming? And who can stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire, like fuller's soap. He will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver, and he will purify the descendants of Levi and refine them like gold and silver until they present offerings to the Lord in righteousness. And then the offering of Judah and Jerusalem will be pleasing to the Lord as in the days of old and as in former years. And the New Testament scripture reading comes from Luke uh, chapter 3, uh, verses 1 through 6. In the 15th year of the reign of Emperor Tiberius, and Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea, and Herod was ruler of Galilee, and his brother Philip, ruler of the region of Eturia, and, and um, Chechen, just say it like you mean it, folks. <laughs> and Lysa. I see, I got these hyphenated things in my Bible here. What does that say up there? Tiberius and uh, Echeria and Trachonitis and Lysanias, ruler of Abilene. Did you know? <laughs> now, where am I here? During the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of God came to John, son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. And he went into all the region around the Jordan, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. As it is written in the book of the words of the prophet Isaiah, the voice of the one crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight, every valley shall be filled and every mountain and hill shall be made low, and the crooked shall be made straight, and the rough ways made smooth, and all flesh shall see, see the salvation of God. May we be grateful for the hearing, reading, understanding, and attempts to pronounce God's word. Yes. Let us pray. Lord, we give you thanks for this time together. We thank you for um, our humanness, our willing to laugh, and not to take ourselves too seriously. And we um, give you thanks for this moment. And we pray that, uh, I pray in these coming moments, you would speak through me. Uh, speak in spite of me and open our ears and our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. So my daughter Elizabeth just turned two. As I said last week, and uh, one of the joys of coming home now is when I walk in the door, no matter what uh, time of day it is, um, she'll see me and she'll go, Daddy, and she'll just like run to me. And it's like, I almost want to go back outside and come in again so she can keep doing it. It's just one of those, um, it's just one of those joyous moments in the day, just something so simple but it's like when I come in, no matter what I'm doing or how uh, quick I'm coming in or out of the house, there's this sense of 
daddy, and she just comes to me, and it's almost like, ready or not, uh, here she comes. She's coming no matter what, and as we talked about that last week, uh, whether we're prepared for it or not, Christmas is coming. Uh, Whether we're prepared for it or not, the season of Advent is upon us, and it's time to prepare our hearts. And uh, John the Baptist is doing something similar here as he's uh, one day um, out in the wilderness. And as the scripture records, he hears a word from God and he's in the wilderness and he goes into the region of Jordan and starts proclaiming a baptism of repentance and forgiveness of sins. And John is that one who prepares the way. He's saying, here comes Jesus, prepare the way for the Lord. And in the season of Advent, we continue to prepare for the coming of Christ, not only, as we said last week, uh, to remember the importance of the birth of Christ, but in Advent, we also take time to prepare and remember for the second coming of Christ, as Christ will come again. And as John speaks of repentance and preparing the way for Jesus, it kind of begs the question, in Advent, do we think about repentance? Do we think about repentance of sin? What does that, what does that look like in this season? And repentance meaning, in its kind of original form, the changing of our minds, the transformation of our minds. So, so changing the way we think, but also turning away from those things that do not honor God and turning back towards God. And in repentance, we do those things. And, you know, each week I had shared last week that I want to talk about a Christmas movie each week, uh, one that uh, possibly is familiar to us and um, that many of us may have heard of or, you know, kind of popular ones throughout the years. And, you know, last week we talked about uh, how the Grinch stole Christmas, and uh, we learned in that story how that relates uh, to our discipleship, uh, where is the real Christmas story found in these popular Christmas films, and uh, we learned that, you know, the joy of the Whoville people uh, really was what Christmas was about. And it, the, the real story of the Grinch was uh, Christmas changed him. Uh, the joy of other people changed him and made his heart grow. And today, um, I want to talk about uh, Mr. Bah Humbug. And uh, many forms of a Christmas carol uh, have been out all through the years. You know, this, this book was written by Charles Dickens in 1843. Uh, I think it was. And in 2009, this is one of, um, one of my favorite versions, uh, was Disney's A Christmas Carol, uh, the animated one with uh, Jim Carrey as, as Scrooge. And um, it was just a, it's just one of those stories that can impact our lives in so many ways. And uh, perhaps you have another version that, that you prefer, uh, but the story um, remains the same as this um, Scrooge is taken on this redemptive journey, and through that journey, he's encountered uh, with his past, his present, and his, and his future. But Scrooge is just a grumpy old man, isn't he? He is just a grumpy old man as the movie begins. You know, kids are, are scared of him. He's staring down people as they're singing Christmas carols, and it frightens them, so they just stop singing. In fact, Scrooge even mentions in the beginning of the film, what is Christmas? but another year older and not a penny richer. He says, you know, we should be boiled in our own pudding and and a steak of holly through our hearts if we have Merry Christmas on our lips. I mean, that's some 
That's some humbug uh, attitude right there. And this cold-hearted Scrooge turns down a Christmas dinner at an invitation by his joyful nephew. Scrooge, you notice in the beginning of the film, doesn't have any compassion for the poor. He doesn't want to help the poor. He doesn't want to give money towards the poor. He's, his clerk, uh, Cratchit, is underpaid, but, but yet he's thankful that he at least gets Christmas Day off with his family. But the beginning of the film really portrays uh, Scrooge as this angry, grumpy person who truly has no compassion for others. And as he comes home on Christmas Eve, that's where his uh, transformative journey is going to begin. And he gets a spiritual visit from his partner um, that ended up dying uh, recently uh, or years uh, prior. And um, this, his old partner in work uh, would tell him that he's going to be visited by three ghosts, the ghosts of Christmas past, his present, and future. And you know, today it, it begins, when you watch this movie, you can kind of reflect on your own journey. You can reflect on your own life and you can think about what would I see, what would I remember if I went back to my past or went back to, to my teenage years or my childhood or my young adult years or whatever it may be. And when we think about our past, there are certainly moments that that we're not proud of, as Scrooge also was not proud of. And when we think of our present, our present moment, there may be things right now in our own lives that, that we're not super proud of, but when we think of our future, what do we think of? What are things that, that come to mind? What are things that we're doing right now that will impact our future? And I think the reminder for us today is that we are loved. We are loved by God. In fact, you know, love isn't just something that, that God does, but love is who God is. God is love. That, that is love at the core. It is God, and we see that most clearly in the person of Christ that we prepare for in this season of Advent. But know this today as well, that God's love for you, God's love for me, has not changed and does not change. It remains strong towards us always. No matter what we've thought, no matter what we've done, no matter what we've said, God's loved us through our whole past, God loves us through our whole present, and God's going to love us through our whole future. God's love for us is strong throughout all of eternity. We are loved, and that is something to celebrate, and it's powerful. And I want to share some thoughts this morning uh, based off of this movie, uh, keeping this movie in the midst of these thoughts. And uh, the first one is one that maybe we've heard a lot, but I don't know about you, but we just need to be reminded. We need to hear things over and over sometimes to be reminded. And the first thought is this, is that God's love for me and you is unconditional. That we don't do things to make God love us. We may do things in response to God's love for us, but, but we don't do things in order for God to love us. God loves us right where we are. And I don't know about you, but I am very grateful for that. And sometimes... We have trouble believing God's love for us being unconditional, and partly it's because of our past, and partly maybe it's because of our present moment. So let's talk about each. And sometimes, um, you know, we may not be super proud of those moments in our past, but, but we remember God's love in the midst of it. So as um, Ebenezer Scrooge is visited by the ghost of Christmas past, we see in the film that uh, he takes Scrooge away, 
he begins to take Scrooge back to his childhood. And on this journey, Scrooge is taken to this snowy town where he grew up as a boy. And in a moment, a tear actually begins to to flow down his eye right off the bat. And all of a sudden, you think of this Grinchy, uh, well, Grinchy, but um, you think of this bah humbug Scrooge. And all of a sudden, as soon as he's taken to his past, you see a tear and perhaps maybe just an ounce of compassion for a moment begins to enter the viewer's heart as they remember that he does have a past. And you actually see Scrooge get very excited about seeing his hometown and about seeing his school. And all of a sudden you see this image, this scene of a young boy alone in a classroom singing. And Scrooge is watching it and realizes, that's me as a young boy by myself, singing alone in this classroom. And he also got to go to a place where he worked as a young man and watched himself dance with great joy at this, at this party. And he watched the scene where he first met the love of his life. And the scene begins to turn to later years where he's watching his younger self yell and scream at his love, at his love interest, at, at the relationship that he had And then all of a sudden, he quickly wants to go back to reality. All of a sudden, it's not as fun anymore to watch some of those moments from his past that he remembers. And and he's ready to, to, to stop this vision, to stop this dream, to stop this moment. And, you know, replaying some of our past can be hard, can it? It can be difficult to go back and to watch some of those moments or to think about some of those moments. And we all struggle with unworthiness. And for some of us, our issue isn't that we don't believe in God. Our issue is sometimes it's hard to believe that, that God believes in us. Does God really love me? Does God believe in me? I want to believe in God, but does this God truly believe in me? And of course we know the answer is yes, but that's hard to believe sometimes. And you know, someone else who, who the story, it wasn't too late for, it wasn't too late to turn, it wasn't too late to become joyful and to change their ways was the Apostle Paul, a man who approved a stoning of a Christian in the book of Acts. And then all of a sudden, as he's persecuting the early church, he's, Paul one day is, is blinded on the road to Damascus. And, and eventually his conversion experience uh, of encountering the risen Christ becomes life-changing for him. And Paul certainly had a ton in his past that he wouldn't be uh, grateful for or that he wouldn't be proud of, Um, but he knew uh, that Christ had changed his life, and he would be the one who would later pen the words in Romans that nothing can separate us from the love of God, nothing in all of creation, nothing can separate us from God's love that is in Christ Jesus. And who would have better have known that than Paul himself, who was persecuting the early church? It wasn't too late for Paul. And in this present moment, it's not too late for us. It's not too late for you, no matter your past, no matter what's going on in the present. And after you learn of of the past of Scrooge, after you learn a little bit about some of the things that have gone on in his life, you begin to realize that maybe there's a reason that he is the way that he is. That doesn't give him a green light to hurt people and do what he's doing in the present moment, but but there's a reason that has led him to this. 
He has a lot of uh, guilt. He has a lot of shame. He's not proud of a lot of the things that he's done. And it can be a very good reminder for us that when we see people doing things that, that we don't necessarily approve of or instead of being so quick to judge and to label, um, if behind them we could see a screen of their past and we could realize, oh, they were neglected as a child. Oh, nobody loved them. Oh, their parent abused alcohol or drugs. Oh, they were bullied every single day of their childhood. And when we, when we begin to understand the stories of people, it doesn't justify, it doesn't, it doesn't give reason to do what they do, but, but at least it can cause someone to stop and say, I wonder if that were my story, if somebody would have compassion on me, or I know a little bit more about them now, and my heart goes out to them, and I want to help, and I want to figure something out, and you begin to realize that with Scrooge, is that he has some pain that he hasn't dealt with. He has some things in his past that he hasn't handled the way that he wished he had and then all of a sudden, you see uh, the ghost of Christmas present comes and visits Scrooge. And he begins to show him things that are currently happening in the present day. And he, he sees people playing and, and going into a church service. And, and we see um, some compassion in the life of Scrooge. He realizes how bad he's treating people and how bad he's treating the poor. And he we also see uh, Cratchit, the one who, who works for him. And we see Cratchit, even though he's mistreated, Cratchit still raises his glass and gives a toast to Mr. Scrooge in his honor. And his family is just totally, his wife in particular is just not having it. But Cratchit still raises his glass and respects Scrooge. And then we see the lack of compassion that um, Scrooge, has, he sees the lack of compassion he's had towards Cratchit's son, Tiny Tim, who has some very important needs. And all of a sudden, he's forced to sit there and watch his own family. Scrooge is forced to watch his own family and loved ones talk negatively about him. But yet the joyful nephew still raises a glass and toasts to Uncle Scrooge's health and to him as a person. And he realizes that his lack of love is starting to impact other people, and it has. And the way that he has acted and treated others, it's, it's impacted not only his own life, but other people around him. And it can be hard to realize the hurt that, that we currently cause people. It can be hard to, to stop and think that the way that we act sometimes impacts our families. It impacts our spouses, spouses or our parents, or our kids, or grandkids, and and sometimes our behaviors impact them. And regardless of the choices that we're currently making, the truth is still the same, is that God's love for us has not changed. And again, that doesn't give us that green light to go out and do whatever we please, to satisfy our own selfish desires, because the, the, the message of John the Baptist, and when Jesus comes along, it's, you know, repent, you know, be baptized, and, and change your ways, change your life, and follow Christ but we've got to identify that, that there are places in our life that don't reflect Christ. There's things that we do in the present moment that is not loving. 
There are places perhaps where there are, there's hatred in our hearts or there's bitterness or there's intentional disobedience to God, perhaps in our own life right now. And, and we have to think about those things and we have to reflect in our own lives. Where is that in my life? Where do I need to repent this morning in this season of Advent? Do I lack love anywhere in my own life? And where can I pray for that love to increase? You know, Scripture tells us Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God's love is the same for us yesterday, today, and forever. God's love for us is the same in our past and in our present and in our future, always and forever. So may our response to God's unconditional love truly be a grateful one, a type of response that causes us not to be people who just satisfy our own desires and disobey God, but but, but a grateful response where we want to, to live a life of love and serve one another and serve God and serve our neighbor. And that reminds us of our own call in life, our own discipleship, is that we are called to love as God loves. And that's the, the second idea this morning, is that we are called to love as God loves. When, um, when Emily and I, my wife, were dating... I remember one night when, um, after a Wednesday night service at uh, the church I was at as a youth director, um, we came back to the house. To my, the, I was living in my mom's house, and um, we we went back there and sat on the porch swing on the back porch, and my heart was like, and I was like, this is the night that I'm going to say I love you. Oh, right. <laughs> the first person, the first person that I was going to say this to and truly, truly mean it in that way. So we walked out to the field, and I held her hands, and we went and looked up at the sky, and it was that night. And it was on that property where I first said, Emily, <laughs> said, I love you. And what was your response? <laughs> but it was so important. <laughs> and she was overjoyed, and, and I was. And it was, it was one of those moments where I just, I couldn't, I, it was, I was just so nervous, but I knew I needed to share, and I knew I needed to get it out, and uh, by her reaction, I could see that feeling loved was important, and we love people in many different ways, and um, not just in, you know, marriages and things, but in friendships and in church community and all these things, and feeling loved by others is truly a gift. It's amazing to know that that you're loved, not just by God, but by other people. It's encouraging. And the creator of the universe and all the world and all of humanity has the strongest love to you than anybody ever could. That God loves us more than, than we can even fathom or imagine. And that's powerful. To, we can't even wrap our minds around the love of God towards us. You know, I think about that today, and, and may that realization of God's love for us truly make us go out into the world and to, 
to love our families more, to love our friends more, to love our church family more and, and our community more, to love the stranger more. Jesus said in this world that we're going to have trouble, but he has overcome the world. Jesus said that, we, that, that the world will know we are disciples by the way we love one another. That's how they're going to know. You know, this Christmas story is a, is a story of love. In this Advent season, the question can become for us as we are getting closer and closer to Christmas Day is, is how much love do you have left to give? Do you have any love to give to others? It didn't seem that Ebenezer Scrooge had enough love to give at all. But after experiencing glimpses from his past and his present, things began to change. And he also got a glimpse of his future as he witnessed life after his death. And there was one scene after he died, he saw three men talking on steps in town. And he heard them talking about his life, and they had said, you know, it's going to be a pretty cheap funeral for Scrooge. And he heard these three men say, no one's even going to go to his funeral, and the only reason someone would go is if lunch were provided afterwards. And he hears that, and he realizes again what his decisions and what his life has been up to this point and how hard he's made it on others. And he also tragically witnesses the Cratchit's family mourning the death of sweet little tiny Tim. And it breaks Scrooge, and he sees the sadness of the family as they experience the death of Tiny Tim. And he also sees his own tombstone. And at the end of the scene, he's falling into his grave, and he's wanting to repent. He's wanting to change, and he feels like it might be just too late, but he's just crying out for another chance to make right some of the things that he's done wrong, and to, to change, to repent, to be transformed, and and as the, the, the casket's closing and as the, the dirt's coming down and as he's falling, falling, falling into this um, hole for forever now, he uh, all of a sudden wakes up on his bedroom floor and he begins to realize, oh my gosh. And he begins to realize that, that he has been given forgiveness, that he has been given grace, and all of a sudden his transformation happens. And all of a sudden, he is overfilled with joy to the fact that he runs down the stairs. It's Christmas morning, and his cleaning lady's there. And he's like, Merry Christmas. And the cleaning lady, like, throws her stuff, and she's like, he's gone mad. And she starts running away. She just doesn't know what to do with a transformed Ebenezer Scrooge. And he's just so joyful. He, he, he walks back by the choir that he once gave an evil look to for them to stop singing. And as he's walking by this little choir, they stop because they know he's coming. And then he joins right in. And he starts singing joy to the world with them. And, and they don't know what to do with it either. And he also raises uh, Cratchit's salary. He begins to be more generous with his finances. He becomes the second father to Tiny Tim in the midst of his transformation, he begins to be someone who is of love and compassion. He began to take advantage of that present moment that he had been given to show love to people where he hadn't done it before. Because that's what it's all about, isn't it? That pre this present moment, it's all that we have. 
is to show love, to be transformed by the gospel, and to know that God's love for us is strong and always will be strong, and we can be thankful for that present moment that we have. One of the most tear-jerking parts of the, of the whole uh, movie that gets me every time is when Scrooge uh, shows up, after he's been transformed, he shows up to the dinner uh, at his family's house with his nephew that he once turned down. And he's standing there, and just as they're about to make fun of him, like in his vision, all of a sudden everybody turns around and sees Scrooge standing there. And the nephew's like, Uncle Scrooge? And he, and he says, I've come to dinner, if you'll have me. And everybody just stops. And all of a sudden, they're so filled with joy. And they welcome him and they embrace him. And you overhear him saying over the dinner table as they're eating and in fellowship, he's like, next year I insist that we have this at my house. And all of a sudden, he, th- this joy kind of overtakes him. And he can't change his past, but he can live a life of love in the present moment. You know, may the knowledge of God's love for us on this day cause us to be people who go in love in a way that Paul reminds us in the New Testament, that we would love in a way that is patient, that we would love in a way that that truly is kind, that we would love in a way that is not jealous, that we would love in a way that is not arrogant or rude, that we would be reminded that love truly endures, and that we remember ultimately faith, hope, and love are are vital and important, but as Paul reminds us, the greatest of these is love. We may change in our lives, all throughout our lives. We change due to our past, our present, and future. But God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Even in our fickleness, Even in our loving and non-loving attitudes and days, God is the same. God's love is the same yesterday, today, and forever. No matter our past, no matter our present, no matter what the future may hold, God is with us in the present moment. And the invitation for each and every one of us is to join in on this movement of love, to join in in faith in Christ and to participate in following Christ in the world every day through those acts of love and compassion and justice and worship and those acts of private devotion. Join in. Join in with faith and join the journey of love that God is calling each of us to. Advent is a reminder each and every day that we don't climb upwards in order to get to God, but God comes down to get to us. God comes to us. That's the Christmas story. And as, and as I walk into the door throughout the week and I say to myself, look out, here comes Elizabeth. Look out, here she comes as she screams daddy. And as John the Baptist comes along, his message is, look out, here comes Jesus. Look out, here comes God in a human body. And look out, here comes love whether you're ready for it or not. Here he comes.
So may we be open to receiving this love that is already given to us. May we be open to receiving God's love this morning, and may our love for God and our love for one another continue to overflow as we prepare for Christmas Day. Let us pray. Lord, there are moments in our lives that we're not proud of. There are moments in our past and in our present that do not honor you. But Lord, we're thankful for your grace. Help us to confess to you and to others those places in our lives where we have not honored you. And help us to hold on to your steadfast love. Help us to to come back to you this Advent season, to come home to join in this movement of love by faith. Lord, I pray those among us today would renew their faith or those who have no faith, Lord, that they may feel you're tugging at their hearts and that you may reach out to them today and help them to reach back and to accept your love and grace into their lives, perhaps for the first time. We're all on this journey. Help us, Lord, to grow in love each and every day and to practice compassion in this present moment. In Jesus' name, amen.